You're listening to a sermon from Plus Life, a church that exists to see lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will be stirred in your heart and renewed in your mind as you hear the preaching of God's word today. Go ahead and tell someone the title of my sermon this morning. Ask them the title of my sermon. Who is your father? Who is your father? Uh, just uh, before we get into uh, the sermon, there is a great announcement. This past week, our brother Amos and sister Michelle Stevens, uh, they gave birth, finally, uh, early Wednesday morning to a Jeremiah Stevens, uh, weighing six pounds. And so they are at home now, uh, resting up, so please send your love and your greetings to them um, they're, they're very excited to share the news with everyone. So, Now, before, with the talk of babies, before we get into the actual sermon, I want to settle a little debate that me and my wife has been having lately with our son, our newborn, Silas. And uh, basically, I, I need your help, church, to, to help me determine who Silas looks like more. Is it me or Faith? So I, I brought a little picture of Silas. Can we put up that first picture? Right? This is my, 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 my newborn. He's a little over a month old. And, and yes, this is, this is a, our, our handsome little baby. Uh, husbands and wives, just be careful. I should put a caution, you know. Might induce baby fever. Just saying. But this is my, my son, Silas. And, um, you know, clearly there, there's a mix of myself and Faye in there. But who do you think... He looks like more. Faye keeps saying that he looks like her, but I, you know, this is me. Like, I, I, this is me as a as a as a, a as a miniature version of me. Okay, who thinks here this looks like uh, Faye? All right, I see all the the Judas Iscariots in the in the, in the church. All right, I'll write it down. Yeah, taking taking notes. Uh, who thinks this looks like me? All right. Okay, now, so here, so just a little more clarification, right? Can we put up the second picture? See, this is me, and this is Silas. See, clearly, clearly, all those who thought that he looked like Faye, completely wrong. Uh, you know, we, we clearly have the same double chin, right? It just, it's all there. Uh, but identical twins, right? It's like, you know, oh, did, is this just me? We, we don't believe in reincarnation. I shouldn't say that. But here we are, right? Um, so thank you for that. I will, I will let Faye know that the majority of the church thinks he looks like her. Thanks. Thanks, church. Uh, you, can take it, you can take that down now. <laughs> well, so as we continue our, our, our Gospel of John series, we're going to be tackling a similar topic, the topic of sort of spiritual parentage. We are in the middle of Jesus' discourse between these Jews in the temple and mostly Pharisees and mostly the religious elite and the leaders of this temple. And it takes place right after his second great I am statement, I am the light of the world, where he explicitly claims that he is the light coming into the world to lead people out of darkness. And of course, he even identifies himself as God, as the God of the Old Testament, the great I am. And as we were as we were told back in verse 30, some people actually believed. Some actually believed his claims as God, as uh, the things that he was saying. But uh, last week, we started to see the extent of that belief amongst the Jews that were listening to Jesus. 
Jesus told them that the truth shall set you free. The truth of his divinity would set them free. But the Jews, whether it was out of ignorance or just a refusal to believe that they were sinners, um, claimed to be like their father Abraham. And claimed to be that, no, we're, we're, we're already free. We're, we're not sinners. We're like our father Abraham who walked with God. And Jesus says, no, no, you need to be free. When the son, the, the, who the son sets free is free indeed. And so Jesus concludes that whole dialogue from last week in verse 37, if you want to look at, at your Bibles there, when he says, I know that you're, you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. See, the Jews believed, but they only believed to a certain degree. They, maybe that they had hopes for Jesus to be some sort of Jewish political Messiah to, to free them from Rome. Or maybe they thought Jesus was just a great religious teacher or a great prophet. But the refusal to recognize their sin, as we saw last week, really revealed their true sentiments about Jesus. They didn't need Jesus to save them from their sin. Because clearly they didn't think they were sinners. They didn't think that they, they needed to be... To be, to, to be found as the lost, and yet Jesus did come to seek and save the lost, to save people from, this, from sin and the wrath of God. Not, not, but that wasn't the Jews' concern. Now, the statement on parentage, as we just read from last week's, uh, last week's uh, passage, is the start of Jesus' sort of rebuke to the Jewish people that he was talking to, the, the Pharisees and those who were in the temple. Uh, it's the start of his rebuke to, towards them about their true parentage, their spiritual parentage. And here is Jesus' judgment as we read from our passage this morning that they are children of the devil. And, and understand, it's not just the Jews of Jesus' day and those who were at the temple. It's really anyone who exhibit similar characteristics as the devil. Similar to that whole exercise that we just did with, with myself and my, my newborn, right? The same way that we have physical characteristics or exhibit physical features of our parents, we, spiritually speaking, can exhibit the characteristics and features of our spiritual parentage. And, and really, we can, similar to the Jews in our passage, we can prove to be either children of God or children of the devil. There's only two options in this passage. And what we see is that Jesus compares these two characteristics, the two features of the children of God and the children of the devil in our passage. And so our hope for our study this morning is to not just differentiate between the characteristics of the children of God and the children of the devil, but to examine ourselves, to determine for ourselves who our spiritual father is, who, who our family, spiritually speaking, is, that we belong to. So, so that if we find ourselves lacking, find ourselves wanting, finding ourselves sort of identifying with the characteristics of those who, who, whose father is the devil, according to Jesus, that we would repent. Even if we find ourselves behaving in similar fashion, even though we are children of God, that we would repent that we would see and hear the invitation of God to be part of his family, to live like children of God. Ultimately, my hope is that we would be reminded of the privilege that we have to be called children of God and the promises in that title. So let's unpack our passage this morning and see the characteristics, the qualities of 
between the, the differences between the children of God and the children of the devil. Everyone say, jump for me as we jump into our passage. Amen. Look at verse 38 with me at the top of our text here. Verse 38 says, I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. So the question, I guess the first we get the first answer here in verse 38 is, what has Jesus seen with his father? Right? He's saying that he has seen something with his father. That's what he's talking about. This is in relation back to verse 37, if you look at that just above. Again, he says, I know that you are offering at Abraham, that you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. Jesus was giving insight into the hearts of these Jews that he was talking about. And he's simply saying in this statement, listen, I'm just saying what, what me and the Father have seen in your hearts. That his word, God's word, has not found a place in you. He's, again, just reiterating some of the truths that he's already claimed. And Jesus gives reason and insight as to why, as well, the, these people wanted to kill him. You do what you have heard from your father. The reason why you want to kill me, because again, in the context of what's happening in, in the Gospel of John at this point, the Jews, the Pharisees, wanted to kill Jesus because he was making all these claims, again, identifying himself as God. And so he's saying, the reason why you want to do this is because you're, you're behaving like your father. The Jews' response to this, look at verse 39 with me. They answered him, Abraham is our father. They're pushing Jesus back here and saying, "What do you mean? Your, your, what do you mean your words don't find truth or find place in us? We're descendants of Abraham, the father of our faith, the the, the originator of our our, our 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 nation of Israel. What do you mean? We're descendants of Abraham." The Jews were arguing from a place of ancestry, of earthly parentage. But then again, look at Jesus' response, verse thirty-nine. Jesus said to them. If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. And so here, and then let's go to verse 40 before we go into our, our first point here. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. And so here's the first characteristic that really determines who our spiritual father is, who, whose family we belong to. It's the work you imitate. The work you imitate. The first comparison that we see is between the work of God versus the work of the devil. Again, the, 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 what Jesus says is that you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works of your father. See, here's some characteristics of the children of the devil. What is, first of all, first of all what is the work of the devil? It's not simply to kill, as stated here. There's a reason as to why they wanted to kill Jesus. It's because he was, as our passage says, he was sharing the truth. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God, that's why they wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill Jesus because he was speaking the truth of God. And the work of the devil is to simply suppress or even eliminate the truth of God. That's the characteristics of those who are in sin, those who are depraved in their sin, those who are the children of the devil. They suppress the truth of God. In Romans 1.18, we've read this before, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteous men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth of God. 
So press in the original Greek means to restrain or to hinder the progress of. And so the children of the devil actively suppress, actively deny the truth of God. So if, if you've ever wondered why in our culture and society, in, in their progressive way of moving, they're always moving away from Christian values, right? Our country, Canada, was once considered a Christian nation, wouldn't be considered that way anymore, at least in our day and age. If ever, if ever you've wondered why, even this, in this so-called free country of Canada, we have bills like Bill C-6 and Bill C-16 basically criminalizing biblical views on gender and sexuality. If you've ever wondered why is that the case, it's because of this the world is full of the devil's offspring. People who desire to suppress the truth of God. And, and I get how harsh that might, that might sound, calling people the child of the devil, but again, this is the two paradigms that Jesus presents us in Scripture. You're either just a child of God or a child of the devil. There's no in-between. Jesus elsewhere in the gospel says, you're either for me or against me. And those who are really against Jesus really is against them. Ever notice how even the, the opponents of, of, of truth and morality, they always specifically target the Christian faith. It's never Buddhism or Islam or Sikhism. Always Christianity. Christians are targeted because our faith contains the truth of God. It is the work of the devil and his children to suppress that truth, to deny that truth, to do everything in their power to restrain that truth. Now contrast that to the children of God in our passage, or in this case, children of Abraham, who are evidently children of God. It says, if you're Abraham's children, you'd be doing the works of Abraham. Well, here's a question. What did Abraham do? What was Abraham's work? His work was obedience to the word. In James chapter 2, verse 21, it says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works, and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. Abraham's work, his life amounted to obedience. It was, again, as we've studied this passage before, a manifestation of his faith in God. God's word being found in him, embedded into, life, into, into Abraham's life, followed God, obeyed God, even when it called for him to sacrifice his own son, nearly sacrifice his own son. His life amounted to obedience. That was the work of Abraham that Jesus is talking about here. Remember, Jesus again said to the Jews, my words find no place in you. Despite being descendants of Abraham, despite being the true offspring of Abraham, but Reality is, as we see from the rest of Scripture, the true offspring of Abraham is not those of, by, of blood, but by those who have the word in their hearts similar to Abraham, who manifest obedience like him. Abraham followed God's commands. Abraham followed his word, even almost, again, sacrificing his son, thus proving his faith. So we see these two contrasts in our passage the children of the devil who suppress the truth of God, which results in disobedience, by the way, 
right? We see in Romans chapter 1, verse 28 as well, a result of suppressing the truth of God. Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, and then the list goes on. The children of the devil suppress the truth of God in disobedience, and that results in sinful works. Versus the children of God have the truth in them. The word of God resides in them, and that manifests in obedience, good works. It says in 1 John chapter 3, the apostle John is reiterating the same truths that Jesus talks about in John chapter 8. It says, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared, for, appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For, God, for God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So the application question for us this morning, at least in this part, whose work do you imitate in your life? Whose work do you imitate in your life? Is it the devil's or God's? You know, truth, truth in regards to the idea of suppressing truth, it might not even be that we're actively denying the truth of God, but we can definitely behave in a similar fashion where if we know what God's word says, but yet we play ignorant. If, we, if we, we know what God's word says, but we would rather live opposite. Those are characteristics of the devil, or the children of the devil. So again, whose work do you imitate in your life? The children of God obey. They have the word planted in their hearts, and they obey. They, 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 their faith manifests in obedience to God. And similar to Abraham's story, the, the, the children of God obey despite the difficulty and the cost of that obedience. Now, as we move on a little bit here, note, by the way, despite it being plainly obvious in our text, I, I think I need to say this, our earthly parentage does not save us. Our earthly parentage does not save us. Just because the Jews were descendants of Abraham did not make them righteous in the eyes of God, in the eyes of Christ. Similarly, just because our parents, our parents are Christians or they're believers and they went to church and they read their Bibles and, and practiced the life of a believer, that does not make us saved. That doesn't make us in right standing with God. You know, if you've ever talked to uh, a so-called Christian nowadays, or so maybe somebody on the street, or um, and they say that they identify as Christians. It's mostly, most of the time, it's not because they themselves have faith, but but because their parents brought them to the church when they were young. We've had those conversations before. Uh, yeah, I'm a Christian. You know, I used to go to church when I was young, or I, I, I my my parents, you know, raised me this way. And but again. Because just because your parents were believers, it does not make you believers. You have your own personal responsibility to respond to the grace of God. Now, let me just quickly speak to some parents here, right? Which we have plenty in the room. Just because you're saved, 
doesn't mean your kids are saved, right? Parents have the responsibility to disciple their kids, to raise them up, to raise them up in the fear and knowledge of God, to, to, to bring them up to, to love the Word, to have faith in Christ, to pray for your kids, to pray for your kids' salvation. That is the parent's job. That's our responsibility. You know, before even uh, Judah was born, me and Faye were already making it a habit to start praying for their salvation, for all our kids' salvation. For them to grow up in the fear and knowledge of, of Christ. Because that, that, is, that is our desire as parents. And, and it ought to be for your desire, your desire as well, parents. To see your kids saved. To, to, to one day in eternity stand next to your kids as brothers and sisters in Christ and worship God together for all of eternity. As a dad, you know, I'm, I'm actually a big softy for my kids. I can't stand to be apart from them maybe two days or so. One day is fine, but like two days, you know, I, I get a little antsy, right? Because I want to be with my kids. If I'm like that now here on this earth, how much more in eternity if I'm forever separated from them? How much more in eternity? Parents, it is your responsibility right, to teach your kids the truths of God. Raise them up to pray for them, even in this young age. And, and here, here as parents, our hope, our hope that our, that our prayers for their salvation is, is coming into effect, that our children ha, can and, and, and can be saved. Is in, uh, there's a passage in Malachi chapter 2, verse 15, that says, Did he not make them one? This is God talking about uh, married couples here. Right. Did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. Godly offspring. The reason why any of us are blessed with children is to raise them for God, for a, for a godly generation for the kingdom. To steward their lives for the kingdom of God. God desires a generation that is dedicated to him, and he delights in that. God ought to give us parents hope that God in his sovereignty desires to save our kids as well. Because that's why he's given us our kids. So that we can raise up for him a godly generation. Now, sort of moving along here, verse 41 of our passage. Let's look at that with me. You are doing the works of your father did. They said to him, this is the response. We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. The Jews were defending their sort of assumed spiritual parentage. I think they, they sort of caught on to what Jesus was saying. I'm not talking about physical, I'm talking about spiritual. And that's why they're talking about sexual immorality here. Sexual immorality or fornication is another sort of older word for it, is associated with idolatry to the Jews. In Exodus chapter 34, verse 14, it says, For you shall worship no other god, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and when they whore after their gods and sacrifice to the gods, and you are invited, you eat of his sacrifice. The idea there is they associated uh, fornication or sexual immorality with idolatry. If you are pursuing other gods, when you ought to be pursuing God, that is uh, idolatry. Even, uh, even it's, 
is adultery in a spiritual sense. So these Jews were claiming to be true offspring of Abraham, descendants of those who didn't commit adultery or idolatry, rather. And, 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 and this was their stance. Our spiritual father, they're claiming, is in fact God. God is our spiritual father, and they're claiming Jeremiah 31, where it says, For I am a father of Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. They're, they're clinging hold, they're, they're holding fast to these, these traditions that they had. And so Jesus has to push back in verse 42. Verse 42 says, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. He's saying, here's the good news. If God were truly your father, then you would receive me, you would accept me, you would love me, because he sent me to you. I'm here. Your salvation is here from God. But the Jews, of course, were not happy did not love Christ. They didn't see this as good news. And then verse 43, it says, Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. This is getting to the, the next, the, the next uh, characteristics of the children of the devil here. The real reason why... Uh, the real reason why they cannot bear to hear his words, why they cannot accept him. This is where he makes it very explicit. Verse 44, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he, when he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Here's, here's a second characteristic of of who your spiritual father is, is the will you follow. The will you follow. This talks about them doing the will of their father. And what is the devil's will? Well, he talks about it there. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he's a liar and the father of his very, in his very nature, he cannot bear to stand or stand in the truth or bear to hear the truth. Jesus talks about that. It's similar to your father. You cannot bear to hear my word. That word bear in the original Greek is dunamai. It's where we get dynamite from the word. And it has to do with power. And in this context, it's the inability, the, in a, to, the lack of power to be able to stand in the truth similar to their father, the devil. Because in his very nature, he is unable to, to receive the truth, unable to, to, to know the truth. His very nature refuses the truth. Hence why he, he lies, he speaks out of his own character. He's completely hostile to the truth. Ironically, this whole conversation that Jesus is having with the Jews is... Remember, if you recall from last week, it's because he said the truth shall set you free. The truth that he was talking about is his divinity, his, his, his kingship, being the, the king of kings and the lord of lords. That is a truth that sets people free, as we talked about last week. It's ironic because it's that same truth that Lucifer, the devil himself, rejected in his pride and fell. In his pride, he desired to be like God. In the passage in Scripture that is... That is associated with the devil in Isaiah 14, verse 13, it says, talking about the enemy's heart, 
You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in their, in their far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. Can you imagine how prideful you need to be to think that you could usurp God from his throne? Similarly, the children of the devil do the same. It is the will of the children of the enemy, of the devil, to not just suppress the truth of God, but become God themselves, deciding for themselves what is truth, deciding for themselves what is morality and good. So all this stems from, again, their will, and the will comes from our sinful nature. Even the desire to, to kill Christ is evidence of, of these people's parentage. It stems from their father, who was also a murderer from the start, as Jesus said. Why he brings that up. The will, or the, the will of the children of the devil is similar to the will of their father. It is to usurp God from his throne. It is to claim authority for themselves. Be God. Decide for themselves what is good and true, what is moral, what is right and wrong. Meanwhile, what is God's will? Again, here's the comparison. The children of God follow the will of God. So what is the will of God? Look at verse 45 with me. Because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? The will of God is for us to believe in Christ. It's to believe in His authority, in His kingship, in His, in His divine power. Again, this is just what Jesus has been saying all throughout the Gospel of John. In John chapter 6, it says, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life. I'll raise Him up on the last day. John reiterates this in, in 1 John chapter 5. He says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whomever has been born of Him. Of course, Paul says this as well. This is in 1 Timothy. He says, This is good and is pleasing in the sight of our God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. God's will and desire is for His children to believe for his children to believe the truth of Christ, the kingship of Christ, the lordship of Christ. That's God's desire for us. That's his will for us. But now we have these two contrasting characteristics of the children of the devil and the children of God. The children of the devil follow similarly the will of the devil, follow after their sin nature. They impose their own authority in their pride, they seek to be God on their own. Meanwhile, the children of God follow the will of God and believe that Christ is king. They submit to the rule and reign of Christ. They follow the leadership of Christ in their life. All because we have a new nature that allows us to. So the question here, as, as we continue here, whose will do you follow in your life? Whose will do you follow in your life? Who sits on the throne of your life? Who, who's, whose will do you obey in your, in your decision-making, in your plans for the future, in the life of your kids? Whose will do you follow? If it's your own will, if you, if you decide, remember that 
really, your will is enslaved to your sin, your sin nature. Where a lot of this conversation is coming from, remember from last week, Jesus said, right, anyone who sins is enslaved to their sin. That's including your will. Again, do not believe the, the lie of the world that says that you, that you are inherently good, and therefore your decisions are good. That's not what the Bible says. Whose will do you obey? Is it God's will in your life? Is it God's will in your life that governs your life, that leads you, that directs you? Are you submitting to God's leading in your life? How does it look like, again, how does God's will look like in your life when, when it comes to the decisions you're making, the plans you have in the future, the things that you're investing your time, talents, and treasures in? What would it say about who your parents Look at verse 47 with me. It says we close here this morning. So characteristics of children of God or children of the devil and, and how you can determine where you stand. Again, it's the work you imitate, the will you follow. The last one here for us is the word you hear. The word you hear. Verse 47 says... Whoever is of God hears the word of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. This final characteristic that determines whether or not, or determines your spiritual parentage is the word you hear. John chapter 10, verse 26, Jesus says, But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. To hear in this context also means to understand. You understand what you have heard because your hearts have been regenerated, it's been illuminated by God, so it's been opened to the word of God. As a result, you obey, you follow, you, you follow the will of God, you, you, you practice obedience, as we've mentioned. Children of God hear his voice and understand his word, understand his commands, his precepts, his promises. They understand his, his will and purpose for their life. They know their shepherd's voice. They are able to discern between their shepherd's voice and the other voices in this world. To distinguish it from the many other truths out there. We're actually called to discern through those. The way that we are able to do so is if we are truly his children, truly his sheep. Keep uh, his sheep who, 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 who need his voice to lead us to the right place. We are called to hear, called to understand, and called to discern. Those are characteristics of the children of God. Now, in contrast to that, the children of the devil, devil cannot and are unable to hear and understand. In addition, they cannot distinguish or even discern between the truths of the world and the truths of God. If anything, as we've mentioned, they suppress or reject, refuse even, the truth of God altogether. Scripture talks about sinners having a veil over their hearts so that, they, that prevents them from understanding God and, and His Word. 
as in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are fully to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. If you've been listening to the sermon this morning, and the sermon is sounding, and the sermon is sounding crazy, it's like, this guy's talking about the devil, and talking about God, like, what's going on in this place, right? I mean, you're, you're proving Scripture true, for one thing. But it's also an unfortunate situation to be in because then if, if you do not comprehend, according to Scripture, again, if you do not comprehend the words of God, then there's a great chance that you are a child of the devil. It's not the parentage that you want to be in because at the end of the day, you will suffer the same fate as your father, the devil. You will be punished by God and experience the wrath of God in the lake of fire. So the question for all of us to answer, do you hear the voice of the good shepherd? Do you hear the voice of the good shepherd? The, the shepherd, uh, our, our father, the whole, even the Holy Spirit, and the primary way that he speaks to us is through the word of God. When you read God's word, do you hear him speak to you? you see passages pop up to you, words that are highlighted to you, as if God himself is talking to you, convicting your heart about something. Also hear his voice through our brothers and sisters in the faith. Truths that are brought to us. Conviction that is brought to us. Prompting of the Holy Spirit. Many ways that God speaks to us. The question is, do you hear his voice? Not just hear, but respond to it. That's, I think, the more important part here. You respond to it. The, the idea of hearing in the Old Testament, it was synonymous with obeying. The word in Hebrew, Shema, it was hear, and they also used that word for the word obe or, or obey, obedience. Because the idea is that when you heard, you would obey. When you heard the summoning of a king, the calling of a king, the commands of a king, the natural response is to obey. You hear the word of God in your life, the leading of God in your life. Maybe even a better question to ask if you are a believer and you know it, you've been a believer for years, whose voice are you listening to? Because there are many voices in the world that try to deceive us, that try to Trick us in believing, trick us into believing that this is the way that we ought to live, or even tempt us to live opposite the way that we ought to live. And so the question is, whose voice are you listening to? Whose voice are you listening to? Characteristics that determine who our spiritual fathers are, whether we are children of God or children of the devil, is the work we imitate. Are you living a sinful life if you are? Life, that is the, the life that the children of the devil live. Or living, practicing obedience. Obedience to the commands and the will of God. Secondly, the will you follow. The will you follow. Is it the, the, is it the will of your sinful nature that you are following in pride and deciding for yourself good and evil becoming the highest authority in your life, or is it 
the will of God that you follow in this life. Lastly, the last characteristic is the word that you hear, the voice that you follow. Now, if you've been listening to this sermon and it's dawning on you that, you know, hey, I think I fall into the children of the devil category. I've been living a life that is disobedient, that is in rebellion of God. I have been following after my own will, even the will of others in the world. I haven't been listening to his voice. That is you this morning. You're, 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 you're dawning on you. You're realizing that that is you. What's the answer? How does one remedy their parentage? How does one move from being a child of the devil to the child of God? Jesus talks about this in John chapter 3. Conversation with a Pharisee named Nicodemus. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That is the remedy to being from being a child of, from, from being a child of the devil to transitioning to a child of God. It is being born again. Because the reality is everybody, everybody in this world, including the cute little baby that I showed at the beginning of this sermon, is born a child of the devil. And the only way for us to transition from death to life, from, from that parentage to, the, to be a child of God, is to be born again according to Jesus himself. That's why Christ came. That's why Christ came so that he would make a way for, for the, 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 the hordes of children of the enemy to become children of God. Why he died on the cross and rose from the grave so that we can be forgiven of our sins. Sins that identified us with the enemy so that we can have his righteousness be free, be free from sin, be free from that sinful nature, and be called children of God. John, this is how John opens his entire gospel. Those who believe have the right to be called children of God. So, if that's you this morning, you have recognized that you have been living for yourself, living in disobedience of God, rejecting his truth, rejecting his word, urge you, just as the Bible says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Conviction is settling into your hearts. Do not harden it. Repent of your sin. Repent for, for the disobedience that you have been living in. Repent for, 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 for following, your own, following your own way. Repentance simply means that you are going one way, going one direction, and you are saying to God, I am wrong. I want to go your direction. Repent and seek mercy from God. Believe, believe that, that what Jesus did, that he accomplished on the cross, the forgiveness of your sins is sufficient. It's, you know... Nothing else needs to be added. No other work needs to be done. 
become a child of God today. Father, thank you first and foremost for reminding us this morning of how you have taken us from places of darkness and brought us to your marvelous light. Your light that brings truth, your light that brings forgiveness of sin. For for bringing us, O oh God, the dark places of our lives and giving us hope, a new family in you. Thank you, O oh Lord, for the privilege of being called your own, for being called your children, despite us never having done anything to deserve it, despite us having no worth or merit of our own because of your grace because of your love for us because that you died on the cross because that you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins on our behalf so that we could have a reconciled relationship with so I pray, God, for the hearts who are hearing your voice this morning, where conviction is settling in. I pray, O oh God, that you would stir their hearts to repentance if they have yet to follow you, yet to make you Lord of their life. I pray, O oh God, that you would stir in their hearts real faith, real trust in what you have done on the cross. Lord, I pray that you'd bring your children home this morning. Even for the wayward son, prodigal who has been running away, who is going on his own, living for himself, who is living for herself and living in a disobedience, I pray you'd bring that son home, that you'd bring that daughter home so that, God, they would experience your love again, that they would experience your forgiveness again, experience your freedom. As your word declares, whom the son sets free is free indeed, Lord. That is our confidence, that is our assurance. Jesus came to seek and save the lost which we were. Praise you, O God, for this great privilege, once again, of being in your part, in your family, Lord, part of your family. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We hope that you are blessed by the sermon today. If you would like to learn about the gospel or know more about our church, please visit pluslifepeople.com. Remember to subscribe for more content. Until next time, stay blessed.